0: to another episode of your Words Against Mine, a competitive
1: reading podcast between siblings. I'm your sister co-host, Elizabeth Conner. And I'm your brother co-host, Thomas Dempsey. It feels like, it both feels like it's been a minute, and also like it hadn't been any time. I think mainly because we recorded two episodes in such close proximity last time. Yeah. That it sort of truncated the feel of that period. Mm-hmm. But, uh... Yeah, it's been a, it's been about two weeks since last you heard from us, so uh, I guess we I don't know I don't really have anything to catch anybody up on. I uh, updated my LinkedIn and Indeed profiles, looking for work. Okay, and, uh, that's good. Yeah, and been uh, organ cleaning up my room a little bit, just sort of mundane stuff like that. Yeah. Yep, but. Uh, Mainly, just been picking away at some books.
0: Okay. How about you? Um, let's see here. My choir, we went on our field trip, and we all had a great time.
1: I'm happy to hear
0: it. Um, We also had our end-of-the-year concert, which was also really nice. It all went right. well. We had our little end-of-the-year party, too, so we are all like officially done with honor choir stuff. That's cool. That'll um, be a
1: load off, I should think.
0: Yeah. So, and uh, I'm now, now I'm on spring break. Yeah, that's true.
1: You uh, got the next week off from school. Yes. And I'm going to be looking forward to see you in a, seeing you again this week.
0: Yeah. Because we are meeting up in Columbia on Tuesday. Yeah. That'll for a little a family time. outing.
1: And we can talk more about that, I guess, next go around. Yeah, that'll be cool. Mhm.
0: Uh,
1: anything else of note?
0: Not that I can think of. Okay. Well, um, uh, you want
1: to talk books then?
0: Okay. So, um, the only book I read was the one for the challenge. Okay. <laughs> Sorry.
1: That, that's that, that's that's <laughs> fun. Uh, huh. Well, I, I also read the book for the challenge, but I read it about a month ago. Okay. So I pretty much read it right after I assigned it, so it uh, got counted towards my word total for last episode. Right. So I'm not going to count that one. Oh, okay. In, in, so I mean, I, 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 I already counted it, so I'm not counting it for the discussion for this week. Okay. Instead, I'm going to count the seven books I read in the last two weeks. Oh,
0: my gosh.
1: (laughs) One of which was the assigned book for next week.
0: Holy cow. Okay.
1: Yeah, I've been on something of a roll over here. Oh, my gosh. uh, Several of these books have been pretty short. I'm going to go from short to long here. Okay. I read two books that I read in pretty much one sitting. The first one was... uh, a short story collection by Julio Cortazar called um it's actually a compilation of two different books. One book is called What the Mugwigs has to say and the other is called Silvalandia. And the con and both of these books sort of operate on high concepts. The first one was uh, the first book that Julio Cortazar wrote in French. Mhm. Rather than like translating from his native uh can't remember if he's argentinian or portuguese but uh, i want to say argentine mm-hmm. anyway his, from his native language it's, and uh most of his stories are illustrated by the um by the artist uh, julio silva who was a collaborator with him throughout his life and did, like, the cover art for a lot of his books. Mm Mm-hmm. And the second book, Silvalandia, is actually something of an inverse where it's a compilation of paintings done by Silva that Julio Cortazar then used as the inspiration for a series of short stories. Okay. Yeah, and by short stories, I mean literally the longest one of these is probably, like, two pages. Mm Mm-hmm two full pages so it's a very brisk read and uh, i I would still really give it a great recommendation though because silverlandia is sort of like a fun fantastical like surrealist setting development where you have recurring characters between stories and just like really evocative scene setting yeah and what the mugwig has to say is basically not intended as such, it's not a work of speculative fiction, but if you're willing to read into it a little bit, mm-hmm. it's pretty much like 50 years prescience of the modern internet.
0: Oh, okay.
1: Like, there's one short story in there that is basically just wor- beat for beat a rough draft for NFTs, mm-hmm. and there, and there's like, and like I say, uh, there's a lot of reading into it you can do, but that's uh, sort of what hooked me. Uh, The next shortest book I read, also again in a single sitting, was called Kick the Latch by Catherine Scanlon. It is a novella about 90 odd pages, but again, it's divided up into mini chapters, each one about a page long. Mm -hmm. I think the longest single chapter is like three pages, but most of them are just that. It's based on a series of interviews that Catherine did with a woman who worked on a racetrack for most of her life. Mm-hmm. So it's semi-biographical, although largely fictional as explained in the uh afterward. You learn a lot. I mean, it's very true to life, true to the experience of somebody who works around horses and at a racetrack for like decades on end. Yeah. Yeah, it, I thought that was especially good. Uh, I just it's a book I picked up at uh M Judson before we went on our uh, trip to North Carolina. Okay. And yeah, I, I, I basically just went there and was looking for something to buy. And there was this interesting little book with a horse on the cover that had some pretty decent reviews. And turns out it was just as good as I'd heard. Okay. So there was that. Then there's uh, four more books. Two of which are, well, three of which are technically nonfiction. Uh, mm-hmm. The first of these is called Comics and the Origins of Manga. You remember Borderlands, the comic book store on Lawrence Road, right? Yeah. Well, they've recently moved to a new location on South Pleasantburg. It's a much larger, much like nicer uh, store space mm-hmm. with a lot more room for activities and whatnot. So I went there the other week just sort of to look around, and I wanted to buy something to you know inaugurate it and to help support them. And they had this book... Uh, Comics and the Origins of Manga, uh, written by a guy named Ike Exner. And uh-huh. it's and it's a micro-history of late 19th, early 20th century Japanese publishing, uh-huh. where it traces the influence of American uh, comic strips on uh, Japanese publishing. The core conceit of the book is basically that a lot of histories of Japanese manga le- seek to trace a lineage that is internal to Japanese culture, mm-hmm. whereas what Exner is positing is that, with due respect to like previous Japanese art forms, the nature of like sequential art and comics, uh, as we understand them today, yeah, actually had like a more broader like global development that uh, was more directly. Uh, influenced by stuff that uh, newspaper journalists or newspaper comic artists were doing in america mm-hmm. at, like the turn of the 20th century it's it's a pretty dry, it's kind of a dry read it's very like technical and it reiterates a lot of points in a way that's very much in keeping with like its identity as a textbook basically
0: mm-hmm.
1: but it does hit on a lot of really interesting, like, overarching ideas and periods and times. So, I really appreciated it for what it. I sort of took away from it after all was said and done. And it's yeah. not like hard to. I didn't find it hard to read or anything like that. Just sort of. Yeah, it, like, I could see someone who is not interested in the subject matter finding it to be a bit of a slog. Mm hmm. But, uh, that was one I liked. The. Another. One was one I I picked up on our trip, actually, to North Carolina. It is the book, The Creative Act, A Way of Being, by Rick Rubin. Mm -hmm. Which is basically the record producer Rick Rubin's sort of guide to creativity and uh, artistic expression. Okay. And I want to run a retraction real quick. When I was talking about that book... After having bought it, and I was talking about who Rick Rubin was, I totally messed up saying that he was one of the producers for Nirvana, Mm -hmm. like, back then. I was thinking of Butch Vig, who I believe was the producer who worked with them. Rick Rubin never did anything for Nirvana, but he did do, like, many seminal rock albums and rap albums, so he's definitely got a track record to his name. Okay. And... What this book is, sort of drawing from his experience, his decades in the record industry, and his sort of general life philosophies, uh, is it's kind of a text on um, mindfulness. hmm So it's more less about creating art and more about establishing a headspace and an ethic about the way you work and the kind of art you pursue. Mm-hmm. In the way you conceptualize art, so it's broadly written well enough that uh even if you're not an actively artistic person, you can sort of derive some interesting ideas or practices from it. yeah, I will just say that um like like again with the comics and the origins of manga, some of the like concepts are a little bit vague in that. You're not sure if what you're reading is a reiteration or not. But uh, it's more a book you can appreciate having read more than you actively enjoy reading. Okay. And it's a 400-page book, but the margins Mm. on it are very strange. Like uh, Kick the Latch, it's all very short chapters. Mm -hmm. Each one about two to three pages, maybe five pages on the outside. So... In terms of pure text, it's only about 190 pages. Okay. But uh, I'm, I'm happy to have read it, and I might return to it if I'm ever like looking for creative encouragement. Okay. That sort of thing. Yeah. Then there was uh, probably the most interesting book I've read in the last two weeks, uh, The Unwritten Book, colon, An Investigation, by Samantha Hunt. This is a series of... Uh, literary criticism and nonfiction by uh, novelist Samantha Hunt, and it's basically the book is a, essentially a ruminations on death. Like she talks a lot about the death of her father, and uh, like her own fears of death as a mother, her experiences with illness and whatnot. That's a, an overarching theme with the book, but it, sort of the main framework of the thing is the idea that of tying death to non-existent works of literature. Okay. So she uh, talks about like books that were not written, books that were rumored to have been written but were destroyed, uh, books that could have been written but never were, and really the core text that she references is the unfinished novel written by her deceased father that she found on like his computer... After he died? Yeah. And so she takes what completed chapters of that book that uh, she was able to find and publishes them uh, in this one along with sort of uh, editorial commentary along with it. Mm
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And it's just, Samantha Hunt is a very interesting, like, voice and character in her own writing. I think you'd probably really enjoy it. Okay. Uh, Like, a lot of the stories and experiences that she recounts, she writes about, like, visiting mediums to try and commune with the dead. She visits a dude who has, like, a Tesla coil set up in his basement that supposedly has some, like, medicinal qualities to it. Mm Mm-hmm. So, it's a very, like, broad perspective and with, like, a very engaging voice. Okay. Okay. So, that was probably the book I enjoyed most. I will say, apart from maybe the book that we had to read for next week, because mm-hmm. that is what I'm very excited to talk about. I didn't know if you've gotten around to it yet. No. Alright, well, it, again, it's not very long. I was able to finish it on in one day. Okay. So, yeah. But the last book I read otherwise is uh, called The Mahe Circle by george Simonon mm-hmm. this is uh of course the author of the inspector Maigret novels that i've been talking about on and off the last year or so mm-hmm. and uh this is sort of published in the same format as those novels but it's not a part of that series in fact it's it's not even a mystery it's basically a, a midlife crisis drama about this british doctor who like starts taking his family on vacation to this beachside resort every summer, mm-hmm. and uh, just the way that like the environment of this village and the people in it sort of starts affecting him in a like psychosomatic sort of way. Yeah, and and it's very much that it, it's sort of awkward to realize in the text of the book that this guy having his midlife crisis is like thirty-five. Oh. So, yeah, that kind of gives you a pause. And it's one of those books where the main character is not, strictly speaking, sympathetic. But I also can't really say that he's, like, portrayed as irredeemable, even as he's sort of, like, being framed as having all these sort of selfish, like, fantasies and desires and perspectives as his... Sort of crisis is going along. Mm-hmm. But, uh, like, like with the, uh, Inspector Migrate novels, it's well-written enough, and, uh, the set, the, especially the way that Simmonim, like, creates a setting is very engaging for me. Yeah. So, like, to hear him write about the coastal village and also about this guy's hometown that he's sort of becoming, uh, alienated from is, uh really engaging and uh yeah i've got plenty of migrant novels still to go uh you'll be hearing more about them in the future i expect but for the time being uh that covers the six non uh, discussion books i've read this week okay all right and i think now we'll just uh go to a quick break And when we get back, uh, I think I'll let you lead the discussion on uh, Long Way Down. Okay. All right, see you in a second. And we're back. Thank you for waiting. This is uh, Your Words Against Mine, a competitive reading podcast between siblings. I'm, as always, your brother co-host, Thomas Dempsey, and I'm going to pass it over to my sister co-host to discuss uh, this week's reading challenge.
0: Yes. So, for this week... We or Thomas had us read um Long Way Down by Jason Reynolds. and okay, so um, I don't know what I was thinking about this book, but like going in. yeah, like going into it because I think I don't know, like we all we all know at this point, like I'm obviously experiencing like some pretty severe reader fatigue, and I was just yeah. like, I don't know why, like, in my head, even though you told me that it's not, I was like, I just don't, like, have the energy to, like, read a book. So, I, like, Ooh. literally was in bed this morning, bought the book off of Amazon, and read it in, like, an hour. Oh, okay. Because I but realized... Yeah, I mean, it is the... Yeah. And it's one of those things that is... I'm, I'm gonna... I'm gonna attribute it to, like, ADHD paralysis. Um, yes. Because I was just like, oh, I don't know. It was like the, the task of reading this book, I was just like, I can't do it. And then I sat there and did it this morning, or laid in bed, literally, and did it this morning. I was like, why did I stress out about that so much?
1: <laughs> well, I'm glad to hear it wasn't, uh, it was a pleasant experience.
0: Okay, so, um, and so that's another thing. Thanks for actually for saying that. So, it was a pleasant experience because of how brief the work is. But it is not a pleasant experience because of the subject matter.
1: Right. It is It is pretty intense.
0: Um, so, basically, what has happened is the main character, whose name is Will, um, his brother, the, the, the book opens with his brother Sean being shot while he's on his way home from the corner store. Then, the, basically, the rest of the book is Will... Going to seek revenge because that is part of the rules that have been passed down through like the patriarchy of his family. And it's also just kind of like neighborhood code. The long way down is his trip down the elevator to which he runs into several characters that he does not anticipate running into.
1: So um, how much of this do you want to spoil? Because it's a very it's short. book. It's a very book.
0: short book, and like the whole book is set up as ba- like basically each page of the book is a poem, but the poems yes. strung together like tell a narrative. So yes. I mean, okay, I get. Okay, I'll say this. So the reason why the characters that he encounters on this trip down the elevator, which you know there are timestamps. Like this whole trip down the elevator takes like what three minutes?
1: Less. Yeah, less it, than it, less.
0: I mean like maybe. So, less than three minutes, maybe even less than two minutes. Right. Um, all the characters are, are but, dead. Yes. And they are coming yeah. to um, talk to him about his decision.
1: Yeah, in very, like, oblique terms at that. Like, you very much get the sense that these uh, spirits that he's encountering are, in a sense, removed from the immediate concerns of mortality. Mm-hmm. Like they, like, they empathize with him, but it's not like they're coming on board and saying, like, hey, this is who I am, here's what's going on, here's what you need to take away from this. This is not quite, like, the Ebenezer Scrooge sort of Ghosts of Christmas yeah, setup. Yeah, no. Where it's very... I mean, in a sense, it is very obvious that... Uh, What's the boy's name Will. in the story? It's very obvious that Will has, like, some ideas and uh, a sensibility that needs to be, like, rectified through this situation. Yeah. But uh, it's much more... It's not as explicit as the terms of that other story. No. Because mainly it's, like, it's less that Will is in need of correction right. as he is in need of healing. Yeah. In a way, because he's... His brother has just died. Yeah,
0: like he's... And
1: he is very much like... Yeah, because yeah.
0: this ride down the elevator is taking place the morning after his brother's death.
1: His brother's death. So that's def, like definitely a sh- sharper emotional core to that
0: mm-hmm. scene. It's like, obviously, the grief is so raw and so fresh, and he's pretty much just acting on what he thinks. I mean, it's very visceral, his reaction, I think, Yes. And so, then he has... Now, do you think he actually sees these characters, or do you think this is, like, like a break that he has from reality?
1: I am uh, operating on the... Like, narratively speaking, I am operating on the presumption that he is actually seeing these characters.
0: Okay.
1: I'm not saying whether or not these characters are... Like, what he is seeing is real, but it is real to yeah. him.
0: I will say, like, I don't know why going in... I, I, I read the, like, about this book... I don't know, like, I just, I thought it was going to be a little bit more, like, academic in its presentation, just from the, about this book that I read, or that, you know, Amazon provides. Um, But also, Amazon also said, you know, this book is recommended for 12 years old and older. And I have to say, like, I do think that this is an appropriate book to give to a 12-year-old to start the discussion of, you know, like, how do you deal with situations, or to approach topics of gun violence and and grief and those really hard conversations that are especially prevalent in this day and age.
1: I believe uh, Jason Reynolds in the forward or the afterward one talks about like interviews he has had with young people in mm-hmm. prison and that that um, informs a lot of themes and the messaging of yeah. this book It's very much written like to communicate with people who are like going through mm-hmm. stuff.
0: Yeah, um, mm. me and my school librarian had a talk about the difference between book banning and uh, books that are just not appropriate for certain age levels. And yeah. um, anyway, so this this book kind of made me think back to that conversation, and I had to sit there and be like, would I feel comfortable giving this book to Andrew, who is my 13-year-old? And, and you know, and yeah, I, I would do that. Not that Andrew... At least not that I can foresee him ever having to go through a similar lived experience that the characters in this book did, but it Mm -hmm. is a, in terms of like age appropriateness, it is appropriate for the age that is advertised.
1: I'm looking, you mentioned that, I'm looking looking it up now, it does appear that Long Way Down has appeared on some lists of banned books.
0: Yeah. I, I can't say I'm surprised. Because what started the conversation about banned books is uh, Brian and I were watching MSNBC and they released a list of like just books that have been banned. And one of them was the kite runner. I don't remember. Um, Or like, anyway, in in the list that MSNBC provided, apparently there are some States or some school districts that are seeking to ban the kite runner. And I've read the kite runner. I read it as a, College student or young adult, something like that. And, um, I said, well, you know, like, and this is the conversation me and the librarian had after Brian and I had it. I said, you know, I would not be comfortable having the kite runner be in my fifth graders library Hmm. because there's a sexual assault scene in it. Okay. And I said, but... I would be more comfortable with this book being in a in a like a middle school but definitely I would be comfortable okay. with it being in a high school library. So right. then, you know, the librarian says, "Well, from, you know, like a information technology perspective because that's basically what librarians are considered to be as information technologists." She goes, "That's kind of where the conversation of, you know, if a child comes to you and they want to check something out, you might say, You know, I think this book might be a little advanced for you, or I think this book may be kind of inappropriate, but I'd be happy to give some other recommendations. But see, she's kind of coming out, because she worked in a public library before she worked in a school library. So she's kind of able to, like, make that switch. Now, obviously now, she's a librarian in an early childhood center. So, like, all of the books in our library are appropriate for, like, three through seven-year-olds, Sure. So anyway, yeah, th- that was kind of going down the rabbit hole. But, you know, when you looked it up that it was on some, like, banned book list, I, I can't say that I'm surprised.
1: But, yeah, like you say, I I think this would probably be appropriate for, like, middle school age. Yeah, for sure. Because that's a- around the time that I started reading, like, I don't know that I was reading books, like, this pointed in their messaging. But I- there was certainly, like, when I was getting into... Books that had more of like an edge to their content. Yeah,
0: I'm gonna ask if I can tell a story. But, uh, yeah, that's not yeah, that's like kind of is like it's related to what we're talking about, but it's not related to the long way down. Okay, sure. Yeah, you okay, can go ahead. So we're talking about banned books, and we're talking about the book banning push, I guess, that we're kind of seeing in our country, and um,
1: yeah.
0: You know, like for at least at least where I work, like we don't see a whole lot of that. Um, right. I'm not saying it's not happening in other school districts in our state, but like where at least at the schools that I work at, we don't see a lot of it. Um, but like a month or so back, uh, our librarian at the early childhood center received a complaint about a book. I think it's called The Body Book, and it's a children's picture book, and it's all about or no, it's called Bodies Are Cool. That's what it's called. It's called Bodies Are Cool. And it's a picture book. And it is... The book. The purpose of the book is to normalize all different kinds of bodies. So as you're reading the book, like, you're going to see bodies of literally all different shapes and sizes. So, like, you're going to see obese people. You're going to see very, very skinny people. You're going to see people who are missing appendages. You're going to see people who have scars. You're going to see people who have vitiligo. Like, all that kind of stuff. Well... Speaking yeah. of the scars one, the parent ver- made a verbal complaint and what she said was she had a problem with, there was a scene on the beach and it was a couple and one had their arm around the other.
1: Uh-oh.
0: At first, uh, unfortunately, at first, we were afraid that it was a racial issue. Oh. But then we went to the page... We went to the page with the beach scene, and on the page with the beach scene, it's talking about scars, okay? We found the couple in question. The person who, not the person who has their arm around somebody, but the person who has, who they are wrapping their arm around, has top surgery scars. Okay. And that was why the parent had a problem with it, but, like... We went uh, through the book, and you wouldn't know, like, I don't know, like, it didn't register to me, like, immediately that, no. that, that 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 person, that that's what that person had. Like, we had to go back, and we had to look for it. So, anyway. Um, right.
1: And which means that the parent had to look for it. Which means
0: that the par- either the parent had to look for it, or there was something about that couple that.
1: They'd read something online. Yeah,
0: something. I don't, so. Yeah. Um, anyway, she did not. Turn the book in initially when it was due. She, the parent did not turn the book in until her child was not allowed to check a book out because he still had this other book checked out. And only okay. then is when she returned it to the library. Whoa. But anyway, so... I say all of that because I followed up with a librarian within the last week or two and was like, hey, whatever happened with that book? And she said nothing because in our school district, if you have a problem with a book... And you think that it should be pulled from the from the, uh, from circulation? You have to fill out paperwork,
1: <laughs> and these people don't want to work yeah. that hard. And
0: basically, the parent doesn't want to fill out the paperwork because the paperwork asks very pointed questions about. Like, yes, the paperwork does ask, why is this why is this uh, material inappropriate for your child? But then it also asks things like, why do you feel this book is inappropriate for other people's children? And then, of course, you come across the thing of like, well, the way I'm raising my child is not the way other people are raising their children. So who am I to say how people are raising their children? Yeah. So anyway, the book is still in circulation. Oh. Well, that's
1: good. And I think pertinent to any discussion, especially these days, of like... Young adult literature or, like... Yeah.
0: Or in this case, early childhood literature.
1: Uh, did you have any other thoughts on uh, Long Way Down that you wanted to share?
0: I did not. Um, I guess the only other thought I would say is that I do feel like Jason Reynolds very much captured captured the way that, like, a 15-year-old would be thinking this in this situation.
1: Oh, definitely. But yeah. that's
0: probably because, like you said... He interviewed people. He's had people. interactions
1: with, like, people like that, kids like that. Right. Yeah. I think that's what helps, I think, speak to people that age as well, is that it sort of feels honest to their head st- headspace. Yeah. Yeah. And that's one thing I really appreciated about it. And apparently there's also a graphic novel version Which I think would be interesting to check out.
0: When I kept doing, because, like, obviously, like, you can't download Kindle books in the Amazon app. So every time I would, like, look up the book, like, it kept trying to redirect me to the graphic novel version. Okay.
1: Yeah, but I just, yeah, I had us reading the text version. Yes. Yeah, but I'm glad, and I'm, all this is to say that I assume you enjoyed it.
0: I did, I did enjoy it. I enjoyed it. I would recommend it to somebody. Um, I would probably even recommend it to the parent of, like, a struggling reader. Sure. Because it's very, very short, and I feel like, uh, and I, because it's very, very short, and it was, you know, I don't recall there being any, like, difficult language or difficult prose or yeah. anything that could be, constru- you know, that could be considered to be confusing, um, so, if you are the parent of a struggling reader, then they, all might, they might also enjoy this book, and then they would get the, you know, the satisfaction of having successfully finished a book.
1: Yeah. That, that's true. You know, I just thought of a thing uh, when we were talking about, like, life events that have been mm-hmm. happening in the interim, and I said I didn't really have anything going on the last couple weeks. I did mm-hmm. just remember, I got, uh, I got a filling put in last Monday. <laughs> yeah my, I'm sorry uh, it's just... no, no, you're good at my first dentist appointment in like a decade yeah a couple months ago I uh, got like diagnosed with like a small cavity in one of my upper right molars-
0: mm-hmm.
1: and so they asked if I wanted to schedule an appointment to get a filling done I said okay so they scheduled it early April and it was this past Monday and uh, just went in like early, ten o'clock in the morning. Was there for maybe about half an hour. Oh they uh, they don't do the metal fillings at this place. They only use like the white stuff. Okay. So and it's I it's not like it's on the back of the tooth I wanna say, so I can't really see it in the mirror. Okay. But uh I mean, it's still a little sensitive, I guess. Yeah. And, but I've got my uh, follow-up cleaning appointment in August, so I guess uh, we can, we'll can we see how it's doing then, and if it starts bothering me any before then, I can get it uh, sorted out. Okay. But uh, one real quick uh, anecdote. While I was getting my filling uh, and was like sort of shooting the breeze with one of the dentists there, he said that some point in the last two months, they had a very interesting customer come in with a pet monkey. Oh! They brought in a carrying case and then let out of the carrying case. <clears throat> and the monkey ran around the <laughs> dentist's office. <laughs> and apparently, like, it was close to the cl- end of day, so there weren't a lot of patients around. But they did... Yeah. Have to chase after this monkey to get it back in its carrying case. And so now they have a pet policy at the dentist. Because sometime in the past, some dude walked in with a monkey in a carrier. (laughs) Yep. Wow. Uh, That was fun. That was fun. Alright, well that's, uh, I think covers the discussion portion of the podcast. You got all your uh, book uh, reading data ready to go? Yes, I do. Alrighty, well, I'll go ahead with my word count. Okay. So, like I said before, I've read seven books in the past couple weeks. Let's see. I didn't track their. Oh yeah, I did track their individual word totals. Uh, for Long Way Down, we got a word total of twelve hundred twelve thousand one hundred sixty-eight. For George Simenon's The Mahé Circle, I got forty-five thousand two hundred forty. For Fever Dream, the word, the book that we'll be reading next week. Uh, I got 32,177 for comics and the origins of manga. I got 49,587 for kick the latch. I got 21,299 for the unwritten book. I got 89,460 and for the creative act. I got 553,332 which totaled all together and added to my previous word score of 1,643,957 comes to 1,947,242 which puts me at about 43% of the way towards my reading goal for the first year and in terms of book total puts me at about 45% of the way towards my reading goal for this year
0: okay um yeah what did what you say the word count was for a long way down again?
1: Twelve
0: thousand one because you texted what? me twelve thousand
1: five hundred forty-one. Oh. Huh. okay, hold on, make sure I. Oh, I'm sorry. The twelve the twelve thousand one hundred sixty-eight was for the Julio Cortazar short stories. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I, I was, I just it was some J word, and I was think, oh, uh, like Jason Reynolds. Yeah. Oh, okay. But no, that was uh. That was a different book, so that's... Gotcha. That's good. Okay, yeah, so that's that. well,
0: um, I read the one book yep. for 12,541 words. Okie dokie. Which brings my, my year-to-date total up to uh, 1,412,695 words, which puts me at 14% of my 2021 word count.
1: <laughs> okay. You'll You'll get there.
0: I'm going to stage a
1: comeback. Yeah, you've got a whole week free. I I've guess, got a speak. whole week. Yeah. And really, you just load up some of them romance novels on your phone and go to town.
0: But, you know, I think the problem, though, is that I need, like, I, I, I don't know, maybe I need to find some romance novels that don't adhere to a formula. Yeah, that might be the, that might be the case. I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. Um. So, anyway, on to our uh, bingo card. I've got my pick okay go ahead putting forward
1: comics and the origins of manga for my history book okay the
0: nonfiction history yes okay and that's the one by ikey exner yes okay all righty um and i guess i'm gonna do the long way down and have it count for young adult that's cool i think you are still oh you are
1: one book shy of a bingo
0: Woohoo! Hold on, um, let me look at your, let me look at your bingo card. Uh, nope, you're still two away from a bingo.
1: Okay, but you've got, uh, you want me to tell you what categories comprise it so far?
0: No, that's okay, I want to be surprised. Okie doke. Oh, Oh, you mean of the ones that I've already gotten?
1: Yeah, of the ones you've already gotten.
0: Oh, oh yeah, 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 you can do that.
1: Alright, you've got, uh, romance, you've got young adult, You've got bio- biography, and you've got sci-fi. Okay. All right. All right. So that's, all, that's a lot of that taken care of now. I believe we've got another book assignment to go. Yes. And uh, this one, I think, is going to be eligible for some uh, award winners. Okay. Awesome. All right. For this week, I am advising us to read the Pulitzer Award. Uh, Pulitzer Prize winning novel, A Confederacy of Dunces by John Kennedy Toole.
0: A Confederacy of Dunces, okay. Have you ever heard of this? Yes. Um, I remember my I remember a friend of mine from Youth Orchestra, Brittany, having to read this book at like Orchestra Camp. Yeah. One summer and like and I remember her being like, No, like it's a really good book and like it's funny and all this stuff, so, but I've never read it personally.
1: All right, yeah. Uh, it was apparently published posthumously by uh, John Kennedy Toole's mother. It went on to win the Pulitzer Prize. Okay. Yeah, so uh, yeah, it's a book've I've had for a long time. I think I started reading it once like a long time ago. Like, I remember reading this book while going to doctor's appointments with Grandma back, like, after college. Okay. I've had this one for a while and uh, have been meaning to get it back around to it, so I take this as that opportunity.
0: Okay, awesome. Well, I look forward to reading it. And next week we will be uh, discussing the book that I assigned, which was Fever Dream by Samantha Schweblin. And did you know there's a Netflix adaptation of this? I had no idea. Or
1: that a movie adaptation is available on Netflix. Uh-huh. And not only that, but it's uh, Fever Dreams is apparently uh uh translated work from Spanish. Uh-huh. So the film adaptation is also in Spanish. Oh, cool. Yeah. Yeah, and it looks interesting. I'd be uh I'd be down for checking it out sometime.
0: Awesome,
1: and I uh, bet as always, I enjoy talking to you about this sort of thing.
0: Yep, me too. And, oh, uh, I enjoyed our di- our discussion today.
1: Yeah, and I enjoy having people here listening to us. Uh, if you want to get engaged or learn anything else about the show, Elizabeth, why don't you tell them where they can find us?
0: So you can find us on our social media platforms: on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, and Literally Club at Your Words Podcast. You can find us on our website at yourwordspodcast.com, and you can send us a suggestion, question, or recommendation. I mean, I mean, comment. Sorry to uh, your didn't words podcast. Stuff. Well, yeah, but I already said suggestion. Oh, oh, yeah. So, um, to yourwordspodcast at gmail Well, Elizabeth, it's been a pleasure. Uh, it I guess has we can been.
1: Wish our wish you and all our listeners happy Easter. Happy with this Easter, going up tomorrow. Yeah yeah hope y'all have a good spring break if you're on it i know i will yeah and uh again i look forward to seeing you in a couple days elizabeth yeah we see our listeners again as always goodbye
0: goodbye